Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, everyone? It's your boy, Checkmate, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. And I am here with a very interesting guest. His name is Charlie Johnson. You want to say what's up, Charlie Johnson? Yeah. Hey, how's it going, guys? So, Charlie Johnson, we, we launched the podcast, Noah Kagan Presents, when you got this up in your earlobes. A lot of you found out on launch day, and I had a contest which said, leave a, a frick ton of comments about how you can help me grow the podcast and get listeners. And like literally over 600 of you did it and left reviews. And I love every single one of you. Uh, I super appreciated it. And I said, for one person, I'm going to help create a best day ever where I'll fly you out all expenses paid to come to Austin. And Charlie was that winner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the lucky guy. Lucky guy. And it's kind of, I guess if I told my mom about it, yeah, I flew another guy out to just come and hang out at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be, she's like, kids these days you know these, these weirdos <laughs> so we are actually going to be highlighting what a day in a life to like hang out with noah is like because a lot of you guys probably don't ever want to do that and so now you can know all the bad things that happen uh when you spend a day with me and the, the lessons learned and what that experience is like some of the things you're going to learn in the first part are doing the one percent more you're also going to learn about what once was scary becomes easy how charlie almost broke his balls on my bike uh, and how hesitation is your enemy a few other things you're going to learn about how to engineer your best day ever. A BDE, my boy Anton and I came up with that. I can't wait to share that, that story with you. And I want you guys to have best day evers. The one more method and why time constraints are magical. All right. What's up? We've got an audience, a live audience for this uh, chat today <laughs> uh, with Charlie Delaney Johnson. Yeah, we're throwing out the middle name. Uh, we're throwing that out there. So he came and he won the podcast contest where like, I think it was, we gave away a bunch of shit and whoever left a comment. Yeah. Yep. And you got to choose. But actually really interesting enough, if you think about it, you went above and beyond everyone else. You actually made a video eating tacos and like panhandling or something. Yeah, I was giving out free tacos to people on the street. And w why did you go above and beyond? Why'd you make the video? So obviously you love tacos. So that's number one. Um, number two, I love tacos. And then number three, I think everyone in the world loves tacos. And so I figured it was a pretty safe bet that if I went outside with free tacos, it'd be pretty fun. Well, the reason I say that is because like actually like five years ago, there was a contest to get a free ticket to a conference. And it was like, leave a comment. And I it was with from for 37 Signals Conference and Dharmesh Shah was giving out. And so I left a comment, but I was like, you know, if I got like 50 likes on my comment, I bet you he'll notice it and I'll win. So I actually went out and marketed my comment to my friends. <laughs> and so I think there's a bigger lesson here, which is like, if you can just do 1% more than everyone else, you actually will win, right? So you got a free flight, free food. We hung out, which might've been good or bad <laughs> in a hotel because you went out and made like a one minute video, which maybe if the show goes live, like people actually will see it. So I think that's a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I was a little bit analytical about it. I went through every comment on that page and looked to see what other people were doing. Okay. And so I looked to see, you know, who's going above and beyond here, who's just commenting, who's just reviewing and who's actually doing something really interesting. And I saw, I think I saw some people doing stuff like, oh, I made a t-shirt in your honor, something like that. Um, I figured I could do better than that. And obviously I did. I, I figured a video is the way to go and no one was doing video. So to me, that was something that would stand out to you. Yeah. I mean, it even happens at sumo.com when we're hiring people. Uh, everyone just sends a resume or submits their online job. And some of the people that have actually, we've hired like almost immediately, one of the developers, we do a developer challenge where you have to make an app. And this guy used our colors. He used our logos. He used our language. And then we sued him for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we actually like, he used it. He went above and beyond just making the app. And then 
one of the sales applicants did a similar thing where he actually made a full website using Sumo and like super integrated and all the stuff that was relevant to us. And he, he took the time to put in that extra 1%. And that's why you were chosen in one. And that's why he got these other guys got the jobs uh, to work with us. So Charlie is here because he won the, the podcast launch contest, which is awesome. So I had a few questions. And then we'll talk about some of the things you're thinking about. First off, what did you think I was going to be like? Like, what was your like, oh, this guy, because you've seen me online and I'm always curious what people's perception is. And then what was I actually like? Sure, sure. I think I think that you are yourself in the YouTube videos that I've watched. Okay. I feel like you, you tell it like it is, like you're pretty direct. You can be blunt at times. And I feel like my impression of you was that you weren't afraid to call people out and to challenge people. And I've, I've seen you doing interviews. I've seen you give feedback to entrepreneurs and I've seen you challenge people, which I think is really important. And so my impression was that you're someone who's direct, you're, you're no BS, and you're about getting results really quickly. You don't want to talk a lot of fluff. You want to get to the results. And so my impression is that you're, you know, you're going to be someone who is direct and I'm not going to talk a lot of fluff. And um, not that I necessarily do that all the time anyways. But meeting you in person, I think the other thing that, that really stood out was um, you know, while we're cycling, while we're working out together... Um, you asked a lot of really good questions and you dove deep. I mean, you were asking about my family, about my parents, like you wanted to understand my roots and where I was coming from. That wasn't something that I was expecting. I wasn't expecting you to go that far in. I was expecting you to talk about, you know, what's the latest with Sumo? What's the latest with um, different products you might be working on? Um, but you, you really wanted to get to know my roots. And so I thought that approach to understanding me and to understanding, you know, how this day was going to go was really interesting. Thank you for the feedback or that that uh, insight. And it's not that I just wanted my ego stroked because there wasn't any of that. It was more of like, I, I think what I've been noticing in general is we make assumptions, like even uh, Lee, who I'm seeing is right here, is that we make a lot of assumptions about like who other people are. And then we project on that. Like, oh, and it's happened to me in the past. Like, oh, no, is this person? And I think we need to take some time to actually like, is that actually who they are? So I'm curious. It's like, well, he actually kind of similar to who he is. And, you know, I, I don't try to be like, this is my video or podcast. No. And then there's like offline. No, I, you know, I want to be consistent with, with who I am and then not also make so many assumptions about who everybody else is. Like sometimes when someone cuts you off, they're just having a fucking bad day. Like, and I think we're like, oh, that guy's a dick and we should kill him. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not always like that. What, uh, what was it like to work out with me? Intense. Um, I wasn't prepared for it and, uh, I felt pretty crappy about myself midway through, but then you kind of um, you know, pumped me up with some motivational talk and, uh, and I got through it. Good. Definitely feeling like I need to go to the gym more. Well, it's not that I want to have people, I, I, number one, I want people in pain with me. Like I want to be in pain. <laughs> like if I, if the, if whenever something sucks, like I'm like, that really sucked. I'm like, okay, that was good. Uh, and I think there's a good lesson. I think Jesse Itzler talks about it and I've thought about it, which is just like, whenever you think you're done, you could probably have a little more left. And so I want to push myself to where that growth and that change in business and life and all that shit happens that last rep. So when it's that last rep for you, I'm like, this is the one that matters. Like, put, remember pull-ups you couldn't do, like you had like four left or five left. Yeah. And I was like, just fucking jump up on that thing and fall down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. give a shit. And I ended up doing that like five, six times. And then same thing with the push-ups. I think I had like eight last reps yeah. um, each time thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, all, I'm basically done on this one. And you're like, no, no, no one more, one more. Yeah. The one more, the one more method works well. The other thing that was interesting is we were doing ropes, uh, battle ropes, where you just sling these ropes and it's fucking the devil, right? I think if the devil in human is, is that battle rope. Yeah, that was crazy. And uh, one of the things that was interesting is I think a lot of times we set ourselves up and we limit our ability. So I don't know if you noticed this, but you actually, when you came to do it, 
you only did it for, we said, all right, we can do 30 seconds. So you swing this rope for 30 seconds and you do it. And I was like, all right, go 30 seconds. And I don't know if you noticed, you went about 50 seconds because I didn't keep timing it. I didn't keep counting it. Really? Did so, you notice it, it like, but you, cause so I think in our mind, we're like, oh, I can only do this much money. I can only have this much of a relationship. And then this is something I do myself. I can only do this many pull-ups. And I've noticed that when I say I'm only going to do five pull-ups, I only do five. And on the fourth one, I instantly get tired. I'm like, that's my fifth one. I'm tired now on four. And so it was something there I was experimenting with. I was like, well, I told him I'd do 30 seconds. What if I counted down like more 50 seconds? And oh, I just kind evil. of forget. Yeah, evil. It's, it's evil. Evil in a good but, way. But you made it to 50 and that's where your capacity for thing, like for that exercise, but in other activities can really grow. And you think, well, what if I could do a little bit more than I even thought I could? Yeah, I, I agree with that approach. I think sometimes we set arbitrary limits for ourselves that end up limiting our progress. And I, I did notice that you kind of hesitated at one point. And I think you were like glancing at the clock and you're glancing away really quickly. <laughs> and I wasn't <laughs> quite sure what was going on. I think I paused for a second and you're like, no, no, keep going. And I kept going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think if I had seen the clock, I think I would have stopped exactly at 30 totally. seconds. Well, I think in general, also, maybe another good takeaway from that is like, how much different was it to have a workout buddy? And And this applies to like other parts. And I think workouts an easy example, but in your business, in your relationships, in like health aspects, whatever it is, or coaching, like I had a chess coach come, like if you have someone that's accountable and like, was like, you can do better than this and hold you to a higher standard, like you will get better results and you will uh, perform better. Uh, one thing I, I was curious, uh, so what you thought I was like versus what, like, I guess it was pretty similar. Anything different that I was that you were like, oh, he's kind of more Jew. Like, uh-huh. and people hate my Jew jokes on this. There's like a real big Jew crowd that listens to me. Really? No. <laughs> I don't even think my mom listens. Uh, any other things that like surprised you? Um, I mean, I, I guess I figured that you're going to be pretty high energy and, okay. and that was true. Um, I think, I guess I didn't expect you to combine so much exercise with also your own work and, and other things that we did today. Hmm. Um, I feel like you, you're really quick at like, getting in and out on certain things. Like when we hit the gym, um, that was like a tight 30 minutes. Right. And, um, I think I think that you knew exactly when you wanted to end it and like we we got right back up here so we could take so you could take a call and uh we also kept the the heart rate high while we were doing strength training which was really intense and i feel like you shifted context really quickly um which is something that i i'm working on doing is being able to shift gears and like focus on different things fast i try not to change environments too much and just focus on one thing but i feel like you did a really good job of of like okay we're we're gonna go do 30 minutes of this high intensity stuff and then come back to the call call. well because we were working just to give everyone the context and i want to talk about what a best day ever is uh, and some talk about some of the surprises from today so the context was like we were working four to five and I had a call at 5.30 and then I had chess class at 6. And so it was really easy for me to be like, well, I'll just skip it this time. I was, I was like, I wasn't even close to doing it. But I, <laughs> there's times where you're like, I'll just ignore it. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean context switching, I think, is t- can be tiring. But I was like, if you commit to something, just follow through with it and then figure out a, made a, a way to make that work. So like, I'm trying to bike 200 miles this month. And like Saturday, I have a 9 a.m. scuba class. So I'm going to get up at 7.30 to bike for 40 minutes to get my miles in. And I think it's not excusing ourselves. Because once you start excusing yourself in one thing, like, eh, well, I'm not going to work out of here. Uh, hey, I'm not going to follow up with this. Then you just start doing everything. Right. And so that was kind of more of where I'm like, hey, we, we committed to this. Let's stick with it and do it. Sure. I just thought of one other thing that I noticed that, um, that definitely stands out. I feel like you're doing a lot, a lot of different things. You're, you're improving yourself in a variety of areas. Like I've heard that you're learning Hebrew. Shalom. Um, you're, uh, you're learning how to play chess. Um, and it, based off of what I heard at a very, uh, high level. And, um, and then of course you've got this like 
what, 200 miles of, uh, of cycling this month. Yeah. And, uh, of course the weights and, and strength training, cycling around the city, apparently scuba diving as well. There's a lot going on in uh, addition to the two businesses that you're running. Yeah. And doing podcasts and video and, yeah, and it's yeah. not to necessarily, I, I think my therapist actually said, he said, I'm doing so many things because I'm avoiding myself. And I was like, is that why I'm paying you? to make me <laughs> to like tell me shit that like okay so should i not do anything and go into like a cabin in the woods i i think what what i'm at least the phase i'm going through now what i'm enjoying is like explore different activities that you're curious about and then don't do some of them and do others right so for me biking and exercising like with weight, weightlifting i enjoy chess like i'm like i enjoy that and i actually learn things from chess and hebrew that i even apply to business or i apply to like creating this content so I think p- people should go out and explore any activity they've been thinking about. Like you mentioned something today, Krav Maga. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like my Jewish people's like self-defense, right? For sure. It's like how we take people's money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like karate chop, give me that dollar. Um, but the point is, is like I'll sign up for a class. Like I did boxing two weeks. So I'll sign up Krav Maga in like a month or two. And then it's just more like, hey, maybe it's something I want to add to my repertoire or I don't. But I at least want to explore that and try out things in life. It's like, I think life is a buffet and you try out different dishes and there's dishes like, I didn't even know that like chicken pow mein or whatever the fuck. It's, it's good. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at now. I, th- I think the balance is like to our point about marketing. Try it out. If it does, if you don't like it, stop it. Right. Like I tried out not doing caffeine for a week and I was like, no, fuck it. I don't really, I like caffeine. So I, I, didn't, I didn't do any today, but some days I will. Um, some things that what what were the lessons? So, oh, before we get into lessons, I want to talk about what a best day ever is. So the reason we did some of the activities is my normal day is not exactly what we did, but it, it's generally that. And I think two things that I want to encourage people to do. Uh, number one, make an, a list of your favorite parts of a day. So I know if I have coffee today, I know if I have sex, I know if I have a good conversation, I know if I read a book, I know if I have ice water, I know if I see a sunset and make a list of the things that you know, make an amazing day for yourself. And then put that in your fucking every day. It doesn't have to be your once a week. It doesn't have to be your week, your vacation. It could be a daily thing. So for me, I actually threw it away because I don't like seeing it every day. I was like, well, what elements do I have? And I have this on my computer. So I have what elements do I have? And I'm like, I know I like reading. I know I like exercise. I know I like a good conversation. And literally every day I'm like, well, do I get those elements? And it's not perfect, but it's something that I'm engineering better days. So then that leads to a best day ever. And this was invented by me and Anton, which is a BDE. So you start your day biking right? Or some activity and you go somewhere. And from there, you let those people kind of tell you where to go next. And you don't plan it. You can't over plan it, but it creates an amazing day. We did this in Seattle where we biked to one bar, had a Bloody Mary and we're like, where should we go next? And they're like, go get a sandwich over at Paseo. Went to Paseo and we're like, where should we go next? They're like, go to Oyster and Walrus or whatever it was and have some oysters. And then it was like, oh, where should we go next? And they're like, bike around for a while. And actually the serendipity of it made it such a magical day. So I'd encourage everyone to go to a BDE and try that out. You should try one out. Very cool. You can't plan it. That's the thing. I think sometimes in life, the things we pl- like actually related to this specifically is like, have you ever had something that you gone to that wasn't as fun as the planning of it. Meaning that you had this vacation or thing you were going to go do, like you went to Southeast Asia. You're like, I can't wait to go to Southeast Asia. And the six months going up to it were almost more fun than the six months that you were there. I don't know. Have you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes you get so involved in the planning process and you're you're thinking through all these different things that you can envision for, for what that's actually going to look like. And, and that can take a lot of time. And so you can end up having a long period of time where you're excited about it. You know, yeah, it's good for six up. months. Yeah. Yeah. It's like six months of sex versus like my three minutes, right? <laughs> it's like that six months of like, I might actually have sex is so much cooler than uh, the three minutes. So what were, what, would you th- what do you think your lessons were from this uh, time together? I think there were a couple of points where you really quickly asked me, you know, why aren't you doing that right now? Or why don't we do this today? Ooh. And okay. oh. 
Yeah, so. I think I think for me, um, one of the key lessons is make things happen fast. Don't don't allow yourself um, some huge amount of time to get things done. Try to just get it done really quickly so you can learn faster and make sure that you're actually taking action rather than just planning things out indefinitely. And I'm definitely someone who falls into the bucket of wanting to plan things out so meticulously that some things never get done because I, I haven't had the perfect plan created to get it done. And so I'm definitely someone who benefits from that sort of advice where I need to have like a really tight time constraint to force myself to do something. Okay. That's a huge lesson. Yeah, for sure. So one, limit your time constraint. I think it was a huge one. Uh, I think the second thing, like, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, was about biking today. So you, I, I fucking can't believe it. I've been mountain biking. It's been one of my favorite things to do in the past, maybe nine months. And going down stairs is scary as shit, right? Like one, it hurts your, hurt your balls. And two, you're going to, you can go endo, which is over the front of the handlebars and eat shit. And then our best day ever ends. Yeah. And so I went down the stairs and then Charlie just fucking went right after me. And he's never really, you haven't ridden a lot of bikes, it seems. No, definitely And you never mountain biked and just going over the stairs. I was like, fuck, dude, I hope he's not going to sue me, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would really suck. Oh, damn. We'll see. That was actually my plan. So yeah, it didn't work here. out, but... Um, <laughs> Shank me, Robbie. Well, no. So I think I think you bring up a good point, which is that um, I had this this moment where I was thinking, okay, my options right now are I can get off my bike and walk down these stairs and that's going to slow us down. And, and also that I'm going to kind of feel bad about it because... I like to lean forward and take the plunge and push myself to do things outside of my comfort zone. And if I had to walk down the stairs carrying the bike, like that's not doing that. And so my other option was just go for it. And I saw you go down those stairs and it looked pretty intimidating. Um, they're steep. There's it's a lot scary of them. to me too. <laughs> um, but I also saw the way that you positioned your body. And I saw the way that you're pushing back so that the weight was a little bit further back to kind of counterbalance a little bit so you wouldn't flip over the handlebars. And so I, I tried to do that. And I'll admit, there was one point where I, I, I think I was about to go over the handlebars. And uh, that was kind of scary. But I recovered, slowed down, and then I kept going. So I think for everyone out there, you know, number one, what Charlie said, I think is a great lesson and a great reminder is like, limit your time and it's never going to be perfect right? Like just get it out there. Like your Chrome extension, the uh, supplement product you're selling. Number two, with biking and things, I think the, the some of the key takeaways that I, I was thinking about was that one, hesitation is your enemy, right? So when you got to the stairs, you didn't sit up there and like wait. And I know I've done that with biking and it scares me. And I think that replies to business where like, I'm like, well, I'll just wait. And I don't know. And I'm uncertain. And you just went. And I think from that, you're like, okay, shit, I need to actually move this way. I need to do this. And then you're like, I can do more stairs now, which you end up doing. So number one, hesitation is your enemy. Number two, it's nice to know if someone else can do it before you. So get a partner or see that someone else has done it. And you're like, well, Noah's done it. That guy, I'm better than him. I'm better looking. I'm taller. I'm younger. So sometimes if you're not sure, like get someone who, who's a coach or uh, see it on YouTube or something so that you can see either visualize that another person can do it. So you know that you could do it too. Uh, and third, I think one thing that's just like a conceptual thing is like, it's so amazing what's once scary becomes easy. I just think that's such an interesting part where like what you're scared of sometimes like now you never think about, oh, I was scared of that. You're like, oh, that's, that was nothing. Right now you'd be like, oh, fuck those stairs. Well, I think the other thing that I noticed is that we passed stairs at different points. And at that point, I welcomed them. It was a totally different mindset, but it w never would have happened if it weren't for the previous step of seeing you do it and knowing that it was possible and knowing that this is something that I could do too. Dude, that's such like a deep lesson. Not like a life lesson. <laughs> <laughs> deep, deep. 
In this part of the episode, we dig into Charlie starting his own business. The good, the bad, the ugly. A few of the things you're going to take away from this part are, how do you vision your success? Maybe you want to create a vision board. I don't know, you hippies. But how do you vision what your success looks like? Number two, how do you create goals you can win? We all want to play games we can win, creating goals you can win. We talk about accountability and a bunch more. If you're starting a business or growing your business, definitely stay tuned. Charlie Johnson's going to launch a Chrome extension. I think it's really interesting. You should just say what you're doing. All right. So, so who are you? Yeah, right? yeah. Who is Charlie Johnson? Just to give everyone a little background. Let's let's do part three. Like this will be in the beginning. Like who is Charlie? Give us a little snapshot of who you are. Sure. So my background is working for early stage tech startups in the greater Boston area. I've helped scale a couple of Google ventures. And my experience is definitely as a generalist. So I've run sales teams, marketing, implementation, support. I've done basically everything besides coding and design. And starting your thing that's supplementing, like that's your main gig. Yeah, yeah. Full time. Yeah. Uh, and then where you are today. Sure. So right now I do product management for a small team in San Francisco. And, um, and then on the side, I'm experimenting with different side projects. Okay. So with one of your side projects, I thought it's really fun, the Amazon one. Can you just say what that is? And like sure. where the, how that came about. Yeah, yeah. So I've been talking to a lot of people who are in debt and a lot of people who are trying to spend less money. I had 25 you, grand. Debt. Yeah. So I had, I had 25 grand of credit card debt back in 2014. And being a very impatient person, when I finally realized how long it was going to take to pay it all off, and it, you know, online calculators were telling me it was going to be years, I was like, no way. That's not, that's not in the cards. I can't wait that long. I need to get this off the plate and then move on with my life. And so looking at all the different options and considering a variety of different paths that I could take, I decided to sleep in the woods for four months. <laughs> and so four months of sleeping outside in a bivy sack, which is like a, a waterproof body condom, um, four months of that plus hustling to make money on the side. I mean, I was So walk us through exactly sure. how you made 25000 in four sure. months. Um, so I had a decent job. I had a full-time job at an MIT startup. Okay. And then... How much did that pay you? That was like... After tax. I don't know after tax. I think before tax is probably like 65K a year, something like that. Um, well, I'm trying to think of how much of the 25K came from that. Yeah. I mean, we could do the calculation. Okay. But so like 10K of it came from that? Let's see. Over... I mean, 65 is 5K a month pre-tax. So post-tax is like three. So that's like nine. That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. So then you still had to make 16K yeah, in four yeah. months. So what did you do? So one of the first things that I found that you could do really quickly online was you could name porn flicks. And you'd come up with the title of the film. They'd give you screenshots. You weren't actually watching these films, but you'd see the screenshots. You'd see the names of the actors. And then really, this is all on Amazon Mechanical Turk, by the way. So you're doing Mechanical Turk work. <laughs> yeah, I was doing Mechanical Turk work, um, which was something that kind of worked, but it didn't pay great. But you can, you know, turn and burn and go through them really quick. How much did you make from that? I mean, it was a very low amount before I realized that this was just going to take forever. I probably made less than a hundred bucks. That's a good lesson. And then what was your favorite porn title that you came up with? Oh God, I don't remember. And I, I'm glad I don't. They're terrible. That's a great one, actually. Oh God, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I would want, that's my favorite episode. All right. So you made a hundred bucks doing that. What, what, what other things did yeah, you do? Yeah. So then really quickly, I found out that I could talk to local business owners and convince them that I knew things that they didn't and I could consult for them and help them get more customers and manage Did you just small cold? teams. So what do you mean? Yeah. So I was knocking on doors. I was emailing people in my network and reaching out and basically telling people that 
Um, I could help with a variety of different services. And many of those services, I, I didn't really know how to do, like AdWords consulting. Um, but I figured as soon as I got a client, I would just buy a Kindle book, learn how to do it. And that's actually what ended up happening with one client. I ended up getting the job, running their AdWords campaigns. And so I just bought a Kindle book. And you know, three days later, I knew more than they did. Okay. It's, it's amazing how little time some of these people were spending actually learning the skills they needed to know to be effective in their business. Okay. So you went you just went cold on that? Yeah. And was, and you did you use your network? Yeah, I definitely use my network. So you went out I think people don't ever use their network. They're like, I gotta go find people that like I don't know. And I'm like, why don't you use the ones that already know you and hopefully like you? Yeah. So I did have some warm leads and that came through the network. I got some introductions to some people and um I went through LinkedIn and just did lots of intros. That helped a lot. But I, I also found some clients through banging on doors. I ended up running a small um a small team just basically as a project manager. And that ended up paying so well. I was bringing somewhere around 2000 a month of, uh, of take-home. How did you propose to this person and, and close that deal? I, I basically just went in asking questions. I wanted to understand their problems. I wanted to understand their pain points. I wanted to figure out what they cared about and what objectives they had. And so I got all the information laid out on the table. And by having that conversation before I pitched my services, it allowed me to frame the way that I pitched to them so that I knew exactly what pain points they had that I could address. I knew exactly what they cared about. And then, of course, my pitch was based off of those things. And so I was like, oh, well, it just so happens that XYZ are things that I can do. How did you even get in the door to get them to listen to you? I got a lot of rejection. I got a lot of people saying, you know, we don't have the time for this. But if you go through enough people, you're going to get some yeses. And if you, if you do some homework, if you do some stalking, you look them up on LinkedIn, you see if they have a personal blog, you see who runs their sites, and you see what they're doing, you can learn enough about them that you might be able to walk in and establish some common ground. That helped a lot. I think that's interesting. Again, kind of what you did with this contest is you put in the 1%. Yeah. You put in that like just a bit more than everyone else for you to differentiate. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it doesn't, it sounds like it doesn't always pay off though. A few of them rejected you, but then as well, you got thousands of dollars from right. some of them. All right. So Mechanical Turk porn, AdWords consulting, local business consulting, anything else? Yeah. So a big one was I started selling restaurants on the side. It turns out that in many states in the US, you don't need a real estate license to sell a business. Okay. And anyone can act as a broker to sell these businesses as long as there isn't land attached to the business. And so I started offering my services. It just so happened I was very How do you fortunate. Find that or think about this. <laughs> um, I I heard through the network that a restaurant owner that I had met once before was trying to sell a restaurant, and I looked into what that process looked like because this person was struggling, and they were they were telling someone that I knew that they were having a really hard time selling their restaurant. So I looked into what that process looked like. I quickly found out that there are services for this. There's brokers but they charge about 12% of the total price. So I just undercut them and it went straight to 6% and said, look, I'll do this for half the price. Give me a shot. And he's like, okay. How'd you find the buyer? The, I spent $250 on a, a marketplace that matches buyers and sellers of restaurants, $250 on an ad. And that ended up finding the buyer, which gave me a $5,000 commission check. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was a good ROI. I was pretty <laughs> yeah, happy about that. I got to do which website? Oh, which is, what's the website then? Uh, I think that one was called Biz by Sell. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's kind of wild. Yeah. And then did that get you the 25K in four months? Those things combined, plus doing some consulting for some other teams where I was helping them figure out, you know, 
what is this UI going to be? Who do we need to hire to to de- develop various features? Do you, how did you find them? Again, through the network. This one. Um, so if people, sure. so through your LinkedIn network. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn. But I network. guess one question I'm thinking is like for everyone else out there who's like, well, I want to make 25k in four months. What? It, how do? What do I reach out to my network and say? I think. I think it comes back to understanding the problems and the objectives that people in your network have. I mean, are you, are you, I got to interject. Are yeah, you just yeah. asking them, hey, can I have a call with you to ask questions? So I, I would reach out to people and say, hey, I do a lot of, of consulting work in a variety of, of different capacities. And I, I would tell them, you know, maybe a little bit about what I've done. I would tell them a little bit about my experience as a generalist, but I wouldn't go into too much detail because I didn't want them to pigeonhole me. And so I would go into a little bit of detail and I would say, I'd, I'd love to talk with you, You know, maybe take you out to lunch, grab coffee, whatever, and just better understand what you're focused on right now. Yeah. And you just kept asking eventually. That yeah. And eventually you got enough yeses. So you did all this stuff. You made 25K in four months and then you wanted to help other people got a debt. So you came up with a, a Chrome extension that helps. So what exactly is that? Yeah. Yeah. So... One of the things that I did right after getting out of debt was I created a meetup group in Boston called the Boston Debt Destroyers. And that's still alive and running. I've been running it remotely, even while I've been traveling around the world over the last year. And I, through that group, I've learned a lot about the frustrations and the challenges that people in debt face. And so I'm doing customer interviews. I'm talking to people. I'm trying to understand their problems. I'm doing surveys. And really quickly, I found out there's a lot of people who have problems with impulse spending. People who are just spending way too much money online shopping. So that's, that's where the Chrome extension comes in. And so what's the Chrome extension? So the Chrome extension hides buy buttons on shopping sites. <laughs> so basically, you go to Amazon.com and like your buddy sends you a link for some cool camera lens or something. You get to that page and you can see the actual product image, but there's no buy buttons. I love it, They man. all disappear instantly. I love it. So if you guys, how can people find it? Just searching. What's the name of it? So it's not online yet. I haven't posted it. But we're going to line it, put it online tonight. Okay. And what's it called? Buy blocker. I think that's it. Let's call it Byblocker. You can change the name. So it's yeah, called yeah. Byblocker now. Yeah, it's called Byblocker. All right. So you're going to do that. By the way, uh, to begin with, how did you get in $25,000 debt? And I think maybe it's because I'm raised in a Jewish household, which seriously, like my parents had personal finance. I had a bank account at like 14, right? I was a millionaire by 15, right? Like standard Jewish procedure. <laughs> so like, how does someone actually get into 25000 in debt? Super unrealistic dreams and not being, um, having no control over my finances. I didn't have a budget. I didn't measure cash flow. And I ended up paying a ridiculous amount of money for a one-bedroom apartment downtown Boston. And I moved in with my girlfriend at the time, but she we broke up. She moved out. I was the only name on the lease and I kept it, which was a huge mistake. So a ton of my income was going to rent. And then a lot of my other income, I was sinking into the company I was working for because I had equity. And I thought that you know this is helpful to the business. It's helpful for everyone. I'll spend money on client lunches. I'll spend money on Ubers to take all these meetings. You know, I'll do what it takes. And I spent a lot of my own money on the company, which in retrospect, probably wasn't the best idea. So how are you treating money differently now? So now I live and die by my budget. Everything that I spend goes into a budget on my phone. I use YNAB. You need a budget. Literally every penny that I spend goes into that app. And I reconcile every two weeks. Every time I get paid, I reconcile my accounts. I make sure that everything's up to date. And every two weeks, I get it accurate to the penny. It's interesting. And so now it sounds like it's going better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so let's do part four, which is, you know, you are working on some of your own side projects where you're, which your boss is cool with. And so you have the Amazon buy blocker. Uh, you have an experience that you could share possibly, which is the 25 to 4K. 
the lot and and then you came up with the thing for people that are that have colds like you found research that said hey here are things that for people that are that are cold not physically cold but like mentally have a, a sick they're sick and they could take these pills and it will help them i guess one thing i was thinking about as we're going through all of this is like yeah you could go you know sell your story or promote that you could do the buy blocker you could do this pill thing which i'm kind of skeptical of when i heard people like it's just, i'm like it's like sugar powdered sugar put in a pill that costs a lot why don't you just go to the do the 25k in four months again just hustle to make more cash and then figure something so i think where most people don't do in business enough is like what's already worked and you've done this thing that you could then sell to people how i made 25k in four months another annoying thing like that or you can just go back and do that find patterns in that and then either put software in place or put people in place to help you then scale that out. Basically, hey, I found that AdWords is a thing, or I found that brokering restaurants is a thing, or I found that porn is my thing. And you've already done what works, right? Why not go back and explore those? I guess what's your, what's your excuse for yeah, those? Yeah, I guess my excuse for that is that it was it was really, really hard. It was exhausting. I was um I was going outside to sleep in the woods at like eleven to eleven thirty at night. And then I'd wake up at five in the morning before the runners would start coming by. Cause I didn't want to get caught. And I mean, sleeping on public property is legal. And so the the sleeping part, I mean, there's other creative ways of getting around that, right? Like couch surfing, um, staying in the basement of a friend's house or something. I mean, there, there are definitely ways to address that. But so that's you, number one, that's addressed. So you can like sleep on friends' couches or in basements. Sure, sure. Like, you know, you can actually in, in national parks or state parks, they have land that literally you can just sleep on for free. Yes. So if I could make that work with a work schedule, then sure. yes. Um, the other excuse is that the work itself was extremely time consuming and very draining. And so that four month sprint was to me very much a sprint. It had a, a definitive mm. end date. And that's what made it a little bit more doable because there were times when I was really, really exhausted for days on end. My short term memory was totally fucked. I could barely remember things um, due to sleep deprivation. But the the actual work itself, it was stacked like three jobs in a day. And that's on top of a full-time job. Okay. So, and I appreciate you saying it's excuses because to some extent it is, but I think the question then becomes is like, what's your goal, mm -hmm. right? And then how can you recreate maybe a, turn your sprint into a marathon? I guess what I'm trying to say is like, how do you recreate that in a more sustainable way? Sure. And I guess my answer to that is the, the 25K in four months was amazing. That was fantastic. Like that was absolutely what I needed for that time. And that solved a problem that I had. But right now, I don't actually, it's not, it's not the 25K that I want so bad. What is it's, it that you want so bad? It's the, the recurring income. It's the dependable income that is ideally passive, that involves a very small amount of my time to manage. Why does everyone want that? I, I think it's this, <laughs> everyone, it's this dream of, uh, what, of having more time. And then what would you do at that time? I would spend more time traveling and I would spend more time testing out new ideas. Yeah. So what if you could just spend your time traveling and testing new ideas while working? Like, there, there's no such thing like passive income is, is not existent. It's you have to be active to keep it passive. Otherwise, it goes away. Right. It's like a garden that you don't water. Eventually, the plants die. That's fair. That's fair. But right. I, I would argue that there's certainly a difference between passive income and the type of income that I earn where I trade my hour for a, uh, a paycheck. Yeah. I think my, my issue with that sometimes, I think people try to do that prematurely. Right. So they're like, I want passive income. I want recurring revenue. It's like, yeah. So go do service and find the thing that you can then make repetitive. And you either make it repetitive through technology or you hire other people to do it. Instead of, I think what people want is that they want that, they want the, the cart ahead of the horse, meaning that you want that, but you have to actually go find the thing that you can then make re repeatable. Sure. Sure. Right. So I guess I would just kind of challenge you. So what could you do in the next six months? What's the six month challenge then? So the way I've broken it down, 
and I, I only started doing it this this last month, this month actually, um, is I'm breaking it down into 30-day sprints on different ideas. And so each month is a different idea. And the goal is to get from concept to paying customers by the end of the month. And I've totally, I'm failing right now with this month because I actually ended up switching from the buy blocker to this uh, antiviral kit to cure the common cold midway through the month because I got super stoked on that idea. I thought there was going to be a higher profit margin for it. And I was going after a different type of customer who could potentially pay for it. But the general idea is a, a time constraint that forces me to actually take action faster, like we were talking about earlier. And it's something that I think has a little bit more potential than my previous plan, which was create a business in a year, which was way too Hold long. On. I like the 30-day approach. I think that's healthy. I just think it makes you not commit to any of them. So after 30 days, like, this didn't work. I'll just do the next one. Okay, this didn't work. I'll do the next one. This didn't, all right. So it's like even halfway through this month, you kind of already gave up because you're like, this other one seems a little more interesting. And then when it gets hard in the next two weeks, you'll give up and try to find the next like opportunity. So I like the time constraint. I don't like the changing, right? I like that you're saying 30 days, but I think it's like, all right, you got to commit to actually making that work. And I've already seen you like you're buying on Fiverr a website, you're doing all these things, but you only have one customer. It's true. Right. So I would actually challenge you. So he sold one person on Facebook, which is great, dude. That's one more than everyone else that's wanting a business. And two, that actually is the biggest, one of the biggest sales. Once you make your first PayPal receipt or Stripe or cash, like it changes the perception of things, right? Yeah, definitely. So I would challenge you before you go and spend money on anything else. Uh, so two things. One, don't spend any more money. Try to get two more customers. Like really try to build a little momentum before you go and invest in the like the play stuff of business, the website and the, you know, design and shit like that. Go find two more people. And I'll say it's really easy to stick with something when it's successful. We were talking about that earlier today. So I would challenge you, go get a little more success with it before you start actually building it out. And a story for me was I started building some recruiting software because recruiting is hard for Sumo.com. Like it's challenging. So I was like, let me build it because I want a solution for myself. Just like I'm telling you, like go build, solve your own problems. Like in the earlier podcast, like just solve your own problems because at least you'll have one customer yourself. So I built the software and then I was like, well, I should probably see if anybody else wants it. And I, I started asking people and I was like, I had one person said, Hey, come. I asked one, one company. I said, Hey, I have this recruiting software. It'll probably like save you guys a bunch of hours and help you hire a lot of people. And they're like, Okay, cool. Come do a demo. And then I was like, Man, I don't want to go to anyone's office. Just give me money. <laughs> right. And then I started realizing, like, shit, any business that you want to make successful, passive income for long term is going to take you three to five years. And the bigger thing that I realized uh, from doing that is like, I don't want to be working on recruiting software. And it was easier for me to go back and just keep making the website. That was actually the big takeaway for me. Like, it's easier to go back and sit on my fucking ass and, oh, well, I've got to build more features for them to actually want to buy it where I don't even have to demo it. And uh, I think those two things were like wrong. So one, it, you're going to have to go back and get your hustle on. And two, like, you can't always just sit behind the computer and be like, oh, well, this magic money is going to magically appear. Because seven years later with Sumo, like, yeah, we're a pretty sizable company. It's done relatively well. Like, yeah, I'm still having to go out and like, call lawyers or meet, reach out to clients or like some customer was tweeting tweeting about us today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still like on that. It never goes away. And I think it's like find things that don't that you can work on for 7, 10, 15, 20 years. And so, I, I mean, it's a little bit of a longer part, but I'd say number one, like go out and get more customers, right? Number two, like, do you want to work on this viral thing? I do. I think, I think that it matters to me as someone who tends to get sick fairly often. I think I get sick more than the average person. And so for me, it's something that 
it's it's solving my own problem. It's something that I care about for me. Perfect. And I love that. So go find two more customers before you go get more fibered out and stuff like that. Like go back to your hustle game. And then it's interesting, like my buddy Dustin, he had this revenue goal. And so literally he just has like, how many people a week can you track that you're like, all right, I know if I hit up 10 a week, I'll sell one and that'll help me get towards my goal. That's one thing I've been thinking about a lot where have a goal end of year, which is 60,000 or so, 50, I think you said 50,000. Yeah, somewhere around there. Right. So break that down by month. And you know, well, like if I need to sell a hundred of them this month, that means I need to contact a thousand. And then literally every day just have a number. Like I need to contact a hundred people today. And every day, because then you know, well, if I hit a hundred, I'll sell this many and I'll hit the goal. So you want to look at goals daily that you can actually like feel like you can win the game. Someone said that to me. I thought that was so powerful where pick goals that you're like, well, I want to work on this. Here's the score I need to hit. And if I hit it, I actually think I'm going to be winning versus like I feel like sometimes with goals, like we don't know how we're doing towards it. We're like, I think it's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely felt that way. I think I definitely need tangible metrics to measure myself on a daily basis. I need to have a, a target. I need to have something to to hit. And I need to I definitely agree with you that I need to go back and just and just hustle and not, you know, hide behind the computer screen and like try to deal with a bunch of different systems. It's way too early to optimize. I need to just go out there yeah. and close some business. Well, it's funny because people are like, Well, I have my autoresponder already set up, which you said, and I have my email collection already set up. I'm like, Do you have any customers? I got one guy which is great. And I'm not knocking that. Uh, two things. So number one, what happens in like two weeks when you haven't gotten another sale? What do you think you'll do? I could definitely see it being very tempting to switch gears and focus on another idea. That's the honest answer. I think logically, I think that I should just keep going and try for a, like a full month at least. But I think it's, it would be very tempting to switch gears. So I'd say if, what I try to encourage people is do it in a weekend. Like you get a weekend to, to, to validate your business. And if you can't get three customers, that's what I've always found. It's like if I can't get three in a weekend, you think I'm going to get three in a week? You think I'm going to get three in a year? Like it's only going to get harder. The other thing I would think of is uh, one, you should just have like a vision of your success. Like have this vision, like the bike ride where you're like, well, I saw Noah do it. I can do it too. So my vision is at the end of this year, I want to be making $40,000. And just put that fucking thing on your fridge, put that on your phone. And when you're thinking about going out Friday night, like, hey, I can go out Friday night and do this. Or I know I, this is my vision. Like, let me go get my vision. Like, let me go get that. And then the more that you have that clarity on that, you'll get it. And then the third thing I would say is that I do think it'll help you to have some accountability. Meaning that like every day you check in with someone that's not going to accept you just putting in five pushups, putting in, you're, they're like, dude, you said you do eight pushups and it's not working. Stick with it. Yeah. So I don't know who's someone that, who's the first person you think of. Um. I do a weekly check-in with an accountability team, but Good. you're saying daily? I think weekly is fine. I think in the beginning, like early stage, you should have someone that like to, to keep through their support. I think weekly could be good. Yeah. But do you have a group already? Yeah. Yeah. We have a small like four-person group. Who's, who's, who in the group is doing the best? Um, we've got a guy in Boston who's doing really well. What's really well? Um, he, he's currently raising funds. He's gone through the customer validation process. Okay. So he's not have like a recurring like lifestyle nomadic business no no he's going after a different type of business what i have noticed is that i want to be surrounded myself with the person who's done the like plus one of me and that's who i need to be around maybe not as accountability buddy but like that's who you need to try to figure out how do i associate with like these guys doing fba businesses or these guys doing supplement business or these guys doing that like how do you go set up coffees and dinners or lunches or uber rides with them because they've already figured this shit out yeah yeah. That's right. And maybe point. not in a competitive space. Like, hey, they figured it out for like children's toys and you figured it out for supplements or things that you're personally interested in. Yeah. And then they're going to give sense. you the thing. They're literally going to save you all the time that you're going to probably have to go fuck up. Yeah. I need, I need like a pen and paper and write that down right now. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. That's a great idea. You know what I, I would say for everyone listening who wants a recurring business and doesn't want to be like in their day job, 
really what it is, and I'll, I'll actually tell you the secret, right? I'll tell you what I've noticed personally, personally, like from doing, like I started Sumo Gum and I start, started selling gum because I wanted caffeine coffee gum and it worked. I sold like four or five people in a week. And I was like, if I really, I don't want to start a gum company, but if I did, I have proved that it works. Then I started this recruiting one and I was like, man, if I, I should just go out and sell it if I really wanted to go do that. And I don't want to run a recruiting software. But what I truly believed and what I've truly recognized from like starting these two businesses as examples in the past month is that just pick one thing and commit to it for a year. Commit to it for one full year and you will get success. You, the other thing you have to do during that year is you have to be willing, noticing what's working and what's not working. So what people do is they say, I commit and then they kind of don't really commit. But it, took, it takes a year. Like Sumo, when I started seven years ago, it took me a year to finally be like, oh, I guess this is actually kind of a company. I was just dicking around. I was playing for the first year. But at the end of that year, I think we actually ended up making 200K. And I was like, holy fuck, this is a business. So would you, would you start that process by maybe it's a weekend where you try to get as many sales as you can to kind of validate demand, to like prove that there's something there. And then after that, you'd commit to a year. Yes, like how would you go about exactly. that? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I think what most people do is they spend a month with all the play parts and Fiverr and 99 designs and domain and shit like that. They spend three months talking to customers, being afraid of asking for any money. And then they spend the next month actually asking. No one wants to pay them. And then that's month six. And now they're already like, you know, well, you know, I, I'm going to take a break because this was hard, right? It doesn't get easier. Like go be an employee, <laughs> right? You want it to be easy, be an employee. But what I did with the gum was like, I literally, like I emailed some friends like, hey, I know you like coffee. I know you chew gum. Like give me five bucks or 10 bucks and I'll sell you some gum. And then I, they, they said they would do it. So I went to this girl and I paid her a hundred dollars and I said, hey, can you just like figure out how to make coffee gum? And she found a, a gum making kit on Amazon. And then like put coffee in it, stirred it up and I gave it to the guys and they're like, hey, it sucks. Here's how you should fix it. Let's do this and this. Told her that she made it better the next time. And I was like, this is great. And now, you know, I could find someone if anyone's out there that wants to run a gum company, come let me know and they can run it. Cool. But cool. the point is, and I think your point is very smart. Don't go doing everything else without making sure people want it. Once you know they want it, then go after it. All right. That makes sense. I'm on board with that. All right. So it's day one. What are you going to go do now for the next like two, like 48 hours? I'm like, going to go pitch a ton of people and I'm going to find out if they say no why perfect that's one key thing i just want to and we, we can end on this note is that when you go out and pitch the first idea like hey do you guys want this and a lot of people i think want to just put it on amazon or shopify or etsy and magically hope it happens and that that can work i just i don't want to hope i want to guarantee it works and so i would go when, if they don't want to buy it and when they say no just be like well what kind of other things are you buying and that is where you'll find your next idea and they'll say well like actually this is something that sucks for me like how you did with your those other customers and when they say no, then you say, all right, now I found the thing that actually I sell these people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool. All right, bro. High five. Uh, better awesome. high five, better high five. Here we go. Louder one. All right. Charlie Johnson, buy blocker Amazon. He's going to have supplements. We'll put it on the podcast if it's out there by then. Uh, it's your boy, Noah Kagan, and I'm out. Later, guys. Well, that show was a wrap. I really enjoyed having Charlie all up in my business for a whole day. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, first off, Go text one friend that you love and be like, yo, I love you, dog. Let's have a barbecue. Number two, go leave me a review. Do it. Just go do it. Leave the review. I love you. Number three, leave me feedback how I can make these shows better, or how you can enjoy them, or anything you want to talk to me about. Tweet me at Noah Kagan, N-O-A-H-K-A-G-A-N. Have a LaCroix day. What's your favorite drink? <laughs> <laughs>